Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Good afternoon and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another new episode of Undying Lights. I am your solo host, as always, Alex, and I am so blessed and happy to be back recording with you once again, bringing you new and fresh content, uh, as I have been doing every Friday for the past uh, well over a year now that we've been kind of on our on our own. Uh, it, you know, it's interesting because uh, I didn't record last week. Uh, I had a special guest uh, in the studio, and we had recorded, uh, well, via Skype. And uh, Flame and I had a phone call earlier in June, and I was going to drop that episode on Tuesday of last week and then just bring another eschatology episode Friday. But with a small vacation and other things, I just bumped uh, the the flame episode debut into my Friday slot and figured I'd you know take a little swing off of the eschatology block and uh, get back into it this week and so here I am and we are chipping away into chapter fifteen now on the book of Revelation it is a tremendous series that we have undertaken. And I understand that there's a lot of content that is just been coming your way. And so I completely understand if you are not caught up on the show, I have been constantly recommending that you, if this is the first one you've ever listened to, then you can listen to it, but you'll probably be out of place. And so I would recommend going back to the beginning of Revelation, if not all the way back to the beginning of this eschatology series back in August of last year where we started with our intro to eschatology and then followed that with heaven, hell, uh, and death and somewhere in that order. And then we moved into pagan religions and things like that. And so we've been doing a ton of work in this department. And I would even begin to say that this isn't even scratching the bigger surface. The great thing about all this is though, it's not, you know, it's not important primary doctrine. It's probably secondary and tertiary, depending on where you come from. Um, it's 
it's great and fun knowledge to to know and have a position and to maybe you know have some debates and some chats and stuff like that on or you could debate on the stage if you really want to but at the end of the day eschatology doesn't save anybody only jesus does and what we should be focusing more so on is the actual message of the gospel even when times like today feel like they're turbulent and more chaotic than what has had happened in the past, we are, you know, we're no better off today than we were 2000 years ago. Uh, and we're no worse off We're you know, the world is just continuously moving towards the return of Christ. And so whatever fashion you may uh, position you hold to in that, that's your cup of tea. And, I welcome it, and I find it to be wonderful. So we find ourselves in this series, and we've been trucking along every week. And I'm, as I've said numerous times, so blessed that you have tuned into this show. And I really hope that you have gotten something out of it, even though I've heard from a number of people that it has been (laughs) extremely complex and challenging. And so they've had to listen to it a few times and take notes and things like that. It's a lot of content coming at you. Today's shows might be a little bit easier. We're only looking at eight verses in chapter 15 because that is how long chapter 15 is. Um, But there's some good content in here, and we are going to dig into it today. A couple updates for the show. Um, I had actually, as I'm recording this, had just gotten off the phone with Anthony, um, who you might know as Speak Gospel Truth on Instagram, and uh, my co-host on A Matter of Truth. And we were talking about uh, reviving that ourselves and getting uh, some content produced for you here in the next few days. And so we are going to get together and record an episode and drop that soon. And we have some uh, ideas up our sleeves about the show and the future of the show. And so you'll hear more about that uh, as we get into that particular discussion. Hopefully we'll drop it before the end of June. I don't have a promised date yet. But good things are coming that way. I'm very excited for it. Uh, So with that said, in terms of those who follow me on Instagram, I've kind of recently softly returned from a long break in posting. And uh, I've started off and asked me anything the other night and been answering questions. And I'm going to continue to produce some content Uh, in some shape or form. I haven't really decided just yet, ultimately, but we'll be producing content again there. And obviously, Undying Light continues to to do things. We uh, have ongoing conversations in our uh, Undying Light patron group. I'm writing commentary on Galatians every week, and there's additional podcasts and, and discussions and group discussions and Bible studies and all these sorts going on for the patrons. So if you want to join in with that community for as little as a dollar a month gets you access to all that because we are listener supported and so all the funds that we take in go towards the production of this show and the hardware and software and all of the needs that are required for podcasting uh, on a scale that I'm hosting these two shows and things like that. That is what your funds go to and so we are greatly appreciative of all of our 54 patrons who have come into our community as of just a few minutes ago when I looked. And I am extremely blessed to have known each and every one of them and hopes that they are just touched a little bit by our ministry. And so 
if you want more details, you can DM me on Instagram or form underscore lifestyle or shoot us an email on dyinglightministries at gmail.com and I'll get you all the information you need. Uh, there's a lot that goes into uh, the perks that you get as being a patron. And so, you know, it some of it are sporadic, you know, video discussions. I think um, today is a Wednesday as I record this. This coming Saturday, I think we're going to have maybe a, an hour, hour and a half kind of Q&A. So depending on how that goes, we'll determine the time. But these are just some of the small things, like I say. And I say it, I think, probably every episode as a perk to being in this community. Because, you know, and, and I've always stressed to my patrons, it's not about the money. Uh, I, I just want this community to really be cultivated in its desire to share and preach Christ with the world. So that's the premise. And I, again, as I've always said from the very beginning of this whole kind of movement into uh, the patron realm, I want to provide extent, exclusive content for those who support this ministry while supplying content for the greater world to listen to in hopes that they would draw into uh, the, the folds of the patrons movement you know, we have increment goals set up at 75 and 100 and 125 and so on and so forth that we'll do giveaways and things like that. Uh, but that really kind of isn't the goal. The goal is just to continue to produce God-honoring content week in and week out and provide exclusive content for patrons only. So, like I've said, for as little as a dollar you can join, You some people give more, but a dollar is all it takes that's you know nothing for any for you know to get in i think in terms of you know the content that you get because i've figured at the end of the day uh, a lot of these other shows are going to sell you on tiers and they're going to try and get you to pay more to get more content i can't sell you the gospel the gospel is free i can't sell you jesus's words or or anything like that or I can't sell you my podcast or anything. What I can sell you is my time. And so when you are a patron, you get a lot more of that time than if you were just to listen to my show casually. So, But I still love all of my casual listeners, and you guys are the reason as well to why I keep doing the show. Because I am fueled by people who listen to us. And by all means, please continue to listen, share, and comment. Leave us reviews if you would. So beyond that, you know, we still do Logos uh, sponsoring. I haven't really talked about it much, but you can get yourself a copy of Logos, which is what I'm going to be using on today's show, uh, logos.com forward slash Undying Light. And then, as always, you can get Undying Light merch on Bonfire. It's bonfire.com forward slash Undying Light. Uh, all of these links are found in my bio on Instagram, Reformed underscore Lifestyle. You've also might have noticed, too, lately uh, that the Undying Light Ministries Instagram page is no longer there. Uh, I've recently turned it off, and I'm using just my page as the sole show updater, uh, and I'm just trying to figure out really where I want to go with that, but you will get weekly notifications and things like that uh, to, you know, be aware of what content's being released when and, um, you know, what the show's uh, description and things like that will be so you can uh, kind of hopefully plan out your day and listen to us uh, at your convenience um, weekends seem to have been the best time to drop we've i've also considered maybe moving the drop dates but uh, i think friday's going to be where we notch it 
and stay for the foreseeable future. Uh, another thing I don't really talk about too much, um, I really haven't, at least in a long time, is health. And I really haven't been open and honest with with myself as much as I should have been in the last couple of years, but I have grown incredibly unhealthy, um, putting on weight and, um, uh, my mental capacity has, uh, been greatly impacted by that. I've just become sluggish, tired and, and, uh, and it's just been difficult to work through a, a just a common day. And so I've decided to start a fitness kind of endeavor, a journey, if you would. And I'm, clocking that on Instagram so you can find me on there uh, just shoot me a DM and I can get you the page I put shows I, I'll put stories up on the reform lifestyle about that page um, but you can just search my first name and last name and, and I'll come up and it's basically just a journey of me getting myself healthy mentally spiritually physically um, and uh, some of the programs that I'm doing and some of the help and supplements that I'm using along the way to get to that point because I've realized that before I even turned 35, I had hit that barrier in life and I was just, I was working on sheer fumes and I feel tremendously better today as I'm recording this episode. Mental cognitive function is high and I am firing on more cylinders than I was a few weeks ago. So if you have any sort of like health or mental type of questions or anything like that, feel free to ask me. I'm not a health expert. Uh, I can share my experience. I can point you to resources, and I have been in that. In, I've been observant of that industry for many years. Uh, some of you may know my story. I, I was at one point over 300 pounds. I was about 320, 315, 320 at one point, and um, thankfully for my wife. She helped encourage me to lose some of that weight. I got down to 185 um, through diet and weightlifting, and uh, now I'm trying to get back into shape and uh, continue losing a little bit of weight and get rid of some of this body fat that's accumulated. I know it's a little weird to hear about it on a on a on a you know Christian podcast, but uh, I think having ourselves spiritually and physically healthy is key to our overall lifestyle and while being physically healthy doesn't equate to joy it does bring us happiness and it does bring us enlightened moods and i find that when i am physically healthy i can be mentally healthy which then turns into me digging into the bible and god's word and loving christ even more so when i have the capacity mentally to do so so you can follow my journey. It's literally at alex.zinc. And uh, you can come and watch me as I go through my daily liftings. And I talk a little bit about what I'm doing in the gym. Uh, and then I talk a little bit about nutrition, kind of some of the foods that I'm eating. I don't get too much into it because I'm not a nutritionist. But I just share what I'm doing and what I'm eating. And I hope to inspire other people along this journey as well. In fact, uh, I've even inspired my brother to get a part into it so he's working diligently to lose some of this weight so kudos to him i hope it works out for him and uh again if you guys are interested in that come let me know but i find it to be important because 
I probably could not have recorded this episode a week ago, even that I was just mentally, you know, depleted. And I was just, I've been having such, um, such a hard time with trying to kind of formulate my thought process into trying to kind of stack my days out. And I just was barely making it by and, and it showed by the end of the day, I would just be, I'd be taking naps by four or five o'clock in the afternoon. I was just so exhausted. So with that being said, come check me out, follow my journey and get more information on what I'm doing there. If you are interested, because I find health and fitness to go right alongside being spiritually healthy too. Guys, we're going to dig into chapter 15 of the book of Revelation. Now that I've kind of given you my 45 minutes of commercial highlights, uh, I want to get into this. It's a short chapter, but a lot happening. And we are going to work through this content and hopes to get you out of here in under an hour. That is my goal, um, which means an hour from right now, uh, which puts us at, yeah, an hour and 15 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to get out quicker. It's not a long chapter, but um, next week we're going to tackle part of 16 and we're going to spend some time kind of walking through 16. And then um, our last two parts, part six and part seven. So I want to kind of rewind just a real quick bit here in a minute. But uh, part six and part seven are the last two sections that we will be covering in the book of Revelation, which cover the last uh, handfuls of chapters. And these will will go through the content quickly there's a lot happening but we will cover the content kind of in bigger strides as we did kind of early in the show now if you remember back to the very first episode on uh revelation i said we were breaking it up into seven parts i'm going to kind of read read these parts part one uh is the is christ amid the lampstands and this covers us uh the first three chapters of revelation so we cover that in three episodes. Part two is the throne room of God in the seven seals. And that takes us uh, all the way through chapter seven. And then part three is the seven trumpets as warnings of judgment. Uh, that takes us all the way through the end of chapter 12. Uh, part four, which we just wrapped up, takes us all the way through the end of chapter 14. And then part five, uh, chat, part four is called the symbolic hist- histories. And part five, which we will be beginning today, is the seven bulls of God's wrath. Now, we're going to quickly go through this particular part. Obviously, we'll still break it into three sections. Uh, today, we'll be looking at chapter 15 uh, in just a moment. And then uh, the next two weeks, we'll f- go through chapter 16 in basically two parts. And then we have part six and seven, which we will uh, break that down into three sections as well. So there's um, three, six, seven, eight more episodes after this week in this series. And then we can wrap it up, put a bow on it and just be done with it and move on to another series. So thanks for hanging with me this long. Uh, Well, let's get into some of the content that we have available for us today. It's a short chapter. As I mentioned, it's only eight verses long. I'm going to read all eight verses real quick, and then we're going to pick apart everything that's going on here. Now, this is, again, another part. This is something new beginning here in chapter 15. I just broke down the other parts, and if you kind of group each of the shows uh, in the Revelation series, uh, uh, each show 
is built into, you know, or each little block, if you would, uh, is in, is built into three. So there's seven parts, three, uh, shows go into each part. And then that gives us a total of 21 by the time we're done. So part one was quite long, but we did, you know, all three chapters in that. So we did about a chapter, uh, an episode and so on and so forth. So if you're curious on how kind of the, the time scales are playing out, go back and listen to some of those episodes. Uh, also, we should know, too, as I've said numerous times, that Revelation is not a book that is in chronological order. Uh, it's, in fact, broken into essentially seven parts or seven different phases. And in these phases, we get to see various things happening and unfolding. And as I've talked about numerous times, we see that some of these instances are pointing us to very specific time frames within the gospel accounts. All right, so let's get to it. Chapter 15, verse 1, John writes, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and amazing, seven angels with seven plagues, which are the last. For with them the wrath of God is finished. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire. And those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number on its name of its name standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God and the song of the lamb saying, great and amazing are your deeds. O Lord God, the almighty just and true are your ways. O King of the nations who will fear, O Lord, who will not fear, O Lord and glorify your name for you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you for your righteous acts have been revealed. After this, I looked and the sanctuary of the tent of witnesses in heaven was opened and out of the sanctuary came the seven angels with seven plagues clothed in pure, bright linen with golden sashes around their chests. And one of the living creatures gave the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the sanctuary was filled with smoke. From the glory of God and his power, and no one could enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. So this is the last um, setup. So we've had um, the trumpets, the seals breaking, and the bulls now will be poured out. And this is God's wrath that is going to be coming. And so we are kind of setting the scene of this. So this book... Of Revelation, like the rest of the Bible, tells us a story of God's kingdom. In the Old Testament, this kingdom was foretold in Daniel chapter 2 in a vision given to Nebuchadnezzar, the emperor of Babylon, and essentially the archetype enemy of God. Nebuchadnezzar saw a statue, the, uh, the head of which was fine gold, and its breast and arms silver, its belly and thighs bronze, its legs of iron, and its feet partly of iron and partly of clay, as Daniel's quoted here in the second chapter, 32 through 33. Uh, the statues depicted how successive world empires would decrease in glory while increasing in power. Stating, uh, starting in Daniel's time, these, empire, these empires were Babylon, uh, Metal Persia, Greece, and Rome. And most importantly, this vision then showed a stone uh, it is cut by no human hand that struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them to pieces. This stone cut without the hands represents the kingdom of Christ, which would appear during the fourth empire, Rome, and would overthrow the kingdoms of earth. 
John's perspective throughout Revelation has been that Daniel's prophecy of the kingdom of God is fulfilled by the ascension of Christ into heaven after his atoning death and resurrection. In the time of the fourth empire, Rome, Christ's kingdom began, and throughout this age, the gospel would prevail against the kingdoms of the world. The vision of Daniel 2 concludes where the book of Revelation is leading. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, and it shall break to pieces all of the kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Now, if you remember all the way back into the first episode, we made that very bold and and appropriate statement that Revelation can be summed up simply in this, that Christ is the victor. That is, to the point, it has kind of carried us through this theme on the show uh, and to which we continue to uh, fly that banner. Now, Revelation 15 begins the fifth section of Revelation. It's presenting the judgments here of the seven bulls of wrath. So this first question to ask is, when do these judgments uh, take place? Uh, Some commentaries argue that these judgments pertain only to the end of history and at the time of Christ's return. One reason for this view really is the general inclination on the part of many to interpret Revelation in only a future sense, right? It's a chronological story. It's got a beginning, middle, and end. It's going to unpack as Christ is brewing to come back. Uh, would fall more into, again, that uh, dispensationalist perspective, more so maybe the hyper-dispensationalisms. They also note that John now says that the wrath of God is finished. Uh, If you recall back in verse 1 here, uh, at the very end, for with them the wrath of God is finished. So does this mean that we've moved out of the general history of the church age and into final days? Or are there two reasons why... To answer to that question is no. First, uh, this section is connected with the symbolic histories of the immediately preceding chapters. Uh, the vision of the dragon and the woman in, back in chapter 12 uh, describe the entire church age. Together with the vision of the two beasts, as chapter 13 gives us, chapter 12 begins with a great sign appearing in heaven. Chapter 15 begins, then I saw another sign, great and amazing. So the visions of the bulls are linked to this vision of the dragon of the woman, which described the entire church age and follows that the seven bulls would then depict this period of history and not merely just a final event at the end of time. So we could say by this assumption or this view of our reading that if we link these chapters from 12, 13, 14, and now 15 together, as we see the sign in heaven, this woman and the dragon, and we can then turn and say that these bulls are going to then continue that vision because John simply writes, then I saw another sign in heaven. Second, we remember the relationship between the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bulls. There is no question that the seven seals encompassed the entire church age, and with only the seventh seal corresponding to Christ's return in the final judgment. This same is true for the seven trumpets, and the sense in which the seven bulls finish God's wrath correspond to this sequence. The bulls show God as delivering final judgment to his enemies on earth. So, I think it's safe to say that if we move on with this continued thought that we've had from the very beginning in regards to how Revelation is essentially packed up nicely for us, we can say that these coming judgments from the bulls being poured out 
will coincide with the entire church age. They will go through time uh, as we will unpack it, the bowls being poured out. We will see how some of these can be depicted in towards, uh, into various different views. So Revelation 15 opens up the visions, uh, the bowls of wrath with this remarkable scene here. I saw what appeared to be the sea of glass mingled with fire. And also those who had conquered the beast and its image and the number on its, uh, of its name and standing on the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. Now we saw back in Revelation 4, 6 that the quote unquote sea of glass like crystal was before God's throne in heaven. The saints are now standing before this crystal sea, having arrived safely through the tri trivals of earth. And it is not certain whether this looks to be a future uh, to see the entire vast body of God's people at the end of the age, or whether it envisions those who have passed from earth to heaven during the trials of this age. The sea is a biblical image for the powers of chaos and evil that rise up against God's creation and rule. Uh, it was from the sea, after all, that the dragon is summoned, the first beast to terrorize God's people. The raging waves have now been stilled, showing God's permanent conquest over evil and sin. This crystal sea is thus a glorious vision of God's sovereign power as creator and his triumph as redeemer. Since the Exodus imagery of this vision is made explicit, we should also think of the glossy, glassy sea as the final vision of the Red Sea passage by which God delivered Israel from the army of Pharaoh in the time of Moses. And so we see that through this judgment that God is pouring out that there is salvation for his saints. Many of these saints arrived in heaven, have been cruelly put to death on earth uh, by servants of this beast that we've read about earlier in earlier chapters. So how can this be named? So how can they be named as conquerors over him? Well, the answer is given uh, to John in Revelation 12. They have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they have not loved their lives even unto death. The saints were victorious by holding firm their faith to the only atonement for sin, God's gift of his son, Jesus, who died on the cross. So with this and with God's wrath essentially brewing here in these bowls that we will see poured out next week, we see that salvation still comes for God's people. And even though God's judgment is being poured out on earth, we still see that there are people being saved. And I think that we can assume and assert that in today's world, that God's judgment is still alive and well. It is still being poured out among the nations and the people who reject him. And we see how salvation and believers still come to Christ, even amidst persecution and hatred by the world. So if we want to kind of um, pick through this particular book and go like verse by verse, I want to kind of do that really quick. I want to kind of see if we can pull out some of these imageries and maybe help explain some of this stuff here. Um, now we know that this new vision here that is being revealed to us in verse one uh, co coincides with this last one that we saw back in chapter 12. This cycle of seven plagues serves as the book's last sevenfold vision. Uh, 
And this is what Luther writes here. He says, we are not fighting to win land and people, wealth and glory, nor are we aiming to establish idolatry or extend it. Rather, we are fighting to establish God's word in his church. Especially, we do fight for our children and for the coming generations. This is a real reason and serious purpose for which we do now fight, die, or live. And I think Luther is spot on with that. And whatever, you know, eschatological position you want to pick up, um, this does kind of have a quote-unquote post-mill appearance to it in, in its sense. But I think this can be really readily said amongst all things because at the end of it, we have our duty as Christians, and that is to raise up our children, raise up our people, teach them God's word that is not being um, distorted by society or pressured by society, but we should continue to teach and pursue truth in all of the chaos that this world is pressing down. And whether that leads to more saints, that is the goal, but we are to establish the church. And we know that when a church is established under the proper authority of God's word, that the powers of Satan cannot even overthrow it. The gates of hell could not stand against it. So just because a church building is shut down or closed by a government doesn't mean that Satan has been victorious in that realm. It simply means that God's people will meet elsewhere because God's church does not reside in any building. It resides in us, the people. So Revelation 15 here joins this opening vision of the worshiping uh, saints with this vision of this opened sanctuary of God from which wrath comes. After this, I looked in the sanctuary of the tent of witnesses in heaven was opened and out of the sanctuary came the seven angels and the seven plagues. That's quoting verses five and six. And it, in the sanctuary of the tent of witnesses, this heavenly counterpart of the tabernacle in which God dwelt during Israel's wilderness wanderings, thus connecting the victory of God's people with the presence of God that went with them. This is the true tent of witnesses in heaven. It is the opening uh, and its opening reveals the presence, power and covenant faithfulness of God. This testimony of the tabernacle centered on the law of God written in the Ten Commandments and kept within the Ark of the Covenant. It is keeping with the testimony of God's law that the final plagues come from God's holy presence to judge nations over their sin. The tabernacle also bore testimony to the mercy of God since atoning sacrifices were offered there for the forgiveness of people's sin. And now that same mercy for God and his people express itself Final judgment of those who persist, like Pharaohs of old, afflicting the church. The historical example of the inevitability of God's judgment can be seen in differing histories of England and France. In the late medieval period, there are a lot of differences between the two kingdoms. England's uh, type of rulers were just cruelly violent, greedy, and ungodly uh, as the as the kings of France, both dynasties cruelly uh, repressed those who used the Bible to challenge Roman Catholicism. And in England, the, the Lollards, who followed the teachings of John Wycliffe by preaching the gospel, were officially outlawed. And in France, uh, the Walden Syrians were bloodily persecuted. And so we see that 
standing for God's word throughout time has led many to death and to to judgment by the world. Uh, this decisive opportunity for both kingdoms arrived in the gospel outpouring of the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century. The Frenchman John Calvin devoted his Institutes of the Christian Religion to the French king in hopes that he might read the volume and turn France to Christ. But France was so violently repressed, uh, but they had so violently repressed the gospel that the academy from which Calvin sent church planters to his native land was somberly known as Calvin's School of Death. In England, the Reformation teaching also met bloody opposition. In reaction to Bloody Mary's burning of the Reformed preachers, however, great numbers of English people turned to the gospel during the uh, reign of Queen Elizabeth. But the 17th century was very different in France. When uh, Louis invoked the Edict of uh, Natalins, I butchered that, in 1685, the kingdoms were, the Christians were slaughtered and tens of thousands were driven into exile. The gospel was officially banned and the final judgment of the French monarchy was sealed. When the winds of the revolution blew in the 18th century, England's folly cost her great colonies in the United States. But the monarchy held firm and survived. France, unrepentant and rejecting the gospel, fell under the full fury of God's judgment as the revolution's guillotines put a final end to her wicked monarchy and filled the streets of Paris with blood. And so I think it goes to show as we will pour into these bulls, literally being poured out, that the coming episodes will depict these particular events in its full nature, that while England and France at one time were the dominating kingdoms in the world, they have met God's wrath in one fashion or another. Now, we know that we're still waiting for all of God's wrath to be poured out. I would not, at least at this time, say that all of these bulls have been poured because we still have wicked countries and kingdoms and rulers in place of power. However, even amidst some of the greatest persecution, you know, that was done um, in France or in England or in modern day, you know, China and North Korea and things like that, the gospel still is flourishing. People are still coming to know Christ and people are still sharing the gospel amidst all of this persecution. And so we continue to see that even amidst all of this persecution, we get this wonderful new song um, it's not a new song. My apologies. It's just uh, the song of Moses here. Great and amazing are your deeds. O Lord God, the almighty, just and true are your ways. O King of the nations, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, and your righteous acts have been revealed. And so we get to see the wonderful proclamation of worship here in this, that even as God's judgment is being poured out, his people are still worshiping him. Uh, the opening and closing of chapter 15 joined in showing God saving his people by the means of his judgment on persecuting nations and unbelieving people. The heart of the chapter's message comes from the song that is sung in between, which we just quoted. The opened tabernacle in heaven provides a warning to the enemies of Christ and his gospel. The song provides the chapter's application to believers. First, this heavenly song urges believers to be preoccupied not with the changing events of the earth, but rather with the glory and might of the unchanging and holy God. 
What is true of the saints above should increasingly be true of Christians here below. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, as quoted in Revelation 15.3. The entire history of God's people are summed up by the experience of Moses and Israel when their backs were to the Red Sea, with the bloodthirsty army of Pharaoh bearing down on them. Moses cried aloud, Fear not, stand firm and, say, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. As written in Exodus 14, 13, God sent forth his power, parting the Red Sea from Israel to pass through, then drowning the host of Pharaoh in the waves. God glorifies himself through the great and amazing deeds that show forth his power. The same God who parted the Red Sea caused the walls of Jericho to fall down and converted Saul of Tarsus to become the apostle Paul is still saving people even in the church today. Not only does God perform mighty deeds, but he does so in a way that is just just and true. It is always the wicked that he casts down in judgment, and always those justified through faith in Christ that he saves. The glory of righteousness of God's mighty acts completely captivate the thoughts of those gathered in, into heaven, setting the example for us below. And so I find that this song is well placed as we get ready to get into these bulls. And I think it's a remarkable thing on really mostly just a very short episode that I'm probably not going to be going on much longer because we're really at the end of it. Um, but I think this song really helps placate into um, the joyous rebellion or the joyous celebration that comes from God's people that we can stand and, and shout our praises and shout our joys and enjoy the presence of God. Uh, and this present vision brings with the scene of joy celebration, but then continues with the description of the angels bearing the last of the seven plagues that God will set forth that we will uncover next week. Unfortunately, that is not how things typically are done in the church's earthly sojourn. The most sublime moments of rejoicing are followed by uh, dreadful calamities. The hope is never threatened by evil and judgment. Given the sad state of affairs, the church needs to hear over and over again that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so while we have this joyous song, it is sombering to remember that we will encounter this, this uh, wrath in the next two episodes, and we will unpack how God is going to do that. And so I think this helps us play into this mindset that if we are going to go into this, uh, into our lives as Christians and sharing the gospel with others and with the, with the threat of persecution, especially here in North America, where do we sing our songs of celebration and praise and joy? Do we sing them before evil comes knocking on the door? Do we sing, do we sing and praise in light of evil banging on the door? Do we shout our praises and joys as the world is bearing down upon us? Because even still, as mentioned, even with the judgment of God being poured out on his enemies and his enemies continuing to persecute the church, those individuals will continue to come to know Christ and we will continue to assert God's truth over the world. We will continue to be in the minority, we will continue to be hated, but God will continue to rescue his people from the world's clutches uh, 
and we will continue to share the gospel with all of the people needed. Now, like I said, it's a very short chapter. There's not a, I mean, there's, there's stuff happening, obviously, but we get really the big picture uh, here in the next couple of episodes where we will dig into these next few chapters of Revelation. And so I want to really just uh, kind of close it down. You know, we only had 25 minutes of actual talking because I spent the first half babbling on and on about stuff. And so I want to go ahead and close the show down. And uh, I'm going to leave it with that. Kind of an interesting episode, but not a lot happening in this particular chapter. But in order to follow along with our particular timeline, I can't jump into the next content as it's slated for next week. So I'm going to go ahead and close out. And I wish you all the best of weekends. And I hope to hear you guys uh, sharing this episode or other episodes for that matter. This one may not be that popular, but let me know your thoughts and give me your reviews, whatever it may be. And we will continue to unpack revelation as we move forward into coming weeks. And, uh, like I said earlier, I think it's, uh, a good thing for us Christians to be healthy physically and mentally and spiritually. So come follow my new journey and I will, uh, welcome you alongside me as we continue to get better uh, in terms of our health and and get out of this whole zombie status that the COVID lockdowns have put upon us. So give me a follow and give me a message and we'll chat. We'll have a good time. And I promise to see you guys next week. God bless. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 